Welcome into this edition of the Landscape Photography Show. Before we get into the show, I want to thank Steve LeBlanc for being a patron of the podcast. Steve went to patreon.com slash David Johnston and signed up for a Patreon tier that fit his budget between $5, 10 and $20 a month, each coming with extra benefits as far up as you go in price, and all of them come with the bonus audio from the podcast like we're getting into today right now. Today we're talking with Krista McCush, and and Krista and I had gone back and forth several times, and it's funny, interviewing people on the podcast, you try to relate to them in some way, and it's always kind of this game of cat and mouse when you first start talking about who this person is, what they enjoy, what their past experiences are, and, and what makes them tick in photography, and it's my job to help bring that out of them. It wasn't too difficult for me with that with Krista because Krista and I are, are very much alike in our personalities, so we related very closely on a lot of the topics that we discussed, not only like what emotional experiences lead to creative growth and how you can come out of those being a better artist, a better photographer, a better person, and what you can learn from those. But we also dove deep into Krista's photo book collection and what she takes away from each one of those and what she enjoys about a photo book, holding something that's tangible instead of scrolling through her phone. We get to those things, plus much, much more. But without further ado, here's my discussion with Krista Makush. The Landscape Photography Show is a podcast where you can listen to your favorite photographers talk about their journey in photography. It's a place where you can be inspired and also learn how to take better photos. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hey, what's up, guys? We're here with Kristen McCush, and Kristen is joining us from Nova Scotia this morning. Kristen, what's the weather like in Nova Scotia this morning? It is cloudy and windy, and I'm sitting here surrounded by brilliant autumn colors. It's beautiful. That's amazing. That's like what I pictured in my mind when when I, I started talking to you today, like cloudy weather. Is it cloudy most of the year around there? <laughs> That's funny. Um, no, it's just, uh, no, it, it's, um, we do have a lot of rain here and it's a very temperate climate. So, but uh, we're lucking out. It's been a really warm fall and now we're having beautiful autumn colors with our crisp, cool mornings. We're having more color than I think we did even last year. So what's the reason for that? Uh, just, uh, you know, just, I don't, I'm not going to, say it's climate change but yes um we had a really rainy summer and we've had a beautiful late summer and now we're this is just a different sort of fall we just take it as it comes you know i i think that has a lot to do with like watching the seasonality in your local area too though because i've been watching it the past few years here where i live in tennessee and where we used to get, you know, rainy ends of summers, kind of like the rainy beginning and the rainy end and a lot of that just hot heat in in the middle with, with no rain, uh, led to really nice falls. But typically now it is transitioned to drier late summers and drier falls. And it's like 
four days that the color's just gone. Um, how much do you, how much time do you spend watching the weather where, where you are locally? You mean just me personally? Yeah. Like, oh, I, I, yeah, I, I watch it meticulously, but I just, I don't really mind what the weather's doing. Like I just, and I just take every season for what it is. And the only one that I typically mind a little bit is late or early spring when it's still mucky and it's not really winter and it's not really spring. It's kind of in between. That's the only one I seem to really mind. But the rest of them, I love every other season. So, why don't I'm curious? How did you actually get started in photography, and and what led you down the road to where you are right now? Ah, uh, well, um, in high school, I had a next door neighbor that was an art teacher, and she had a a dark room in her basement. So, she showed me one day about um, image making, and I guess like everyone else, you know, I saw the the pictures develop in the tray, and I was fascinated. So. Um, I bought my first camera when I was in high school. And then like everyone else, you know, you just sort of document what you see. You, you photograph your travels. Um, it's not very exciting. It's just memory keeping. Um, but I think just over time, um, well, many, I mean, I've had a, a very convoluted career. So it's only been in the last five years where I've really come back to photography and I've explored it for um, it's creative aspects as opposed to just documenting parts of my life. It's more about what do I want to say with my images and um, relating how I, how I feel about, you know, being out in nature and it's become a kind of a necessity. It's a creative tool for me to find meaning in everything I do. If it was taken away, what would happen? Uh, I think it would be like anything else. I mean, I've had things taken away before, so other parts of things that I enjoy doing. So I think you just, you would adapt, you would find something else as a creative outlet. I mean, of course I would go through, it would feel like a tremendous loss to me because it's, it's an important, it's a part of my daily life if I'm not um, picking up the camera I'm reading about it or I'm thinking about it I'm thinking about I'm just using my imagination and being creative in some way so photography is a good medium for that did that take time to learn for you um how to be you said instead of more documentary more creative with your photography did that take time for you to not only not only appreciate but kind of hone in what you wanted to say in a photograph definitely and i think um a lot of it is just um having having an interest in a knowledge and learning about photography like everybody that came before and not just in landscape or nature photography but um even portrait photography uh you name it um the bookshelf behind me I, I'm trying to think how many photo books I have and I know I, ha- I must have about 500 <laughs> so um, <laughs> I haven't counted but I have so many and I, I just pull one off the shelf um, one day and I'll just randomly go through and there'll be something that will inspire me so that that's one thing is just 
becoming knowledgeable about the history of photography and even contemporary photographers. And I'm a massive collector of photo books. So, um, and then, uh, yeah, so there's that. And then I think um, life experiences change a person. So when you can, I think that you just automatically incorporate that into your um, creative process. And I, and I think it it's just something that happens. The, the more um, diverse life experiences you have, I think the more you're able to hone in and sort of um, know what brings meaning in, into your art, if that makes any sense. Yeah, absolutely. If yeah, let's say, like, um, let's, go ahead, go ahead. Sorry. No, I was saying it's like um, it's it's it it forms your 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 personal growth. It's what you see more opportunities and you feel things more deeply. I guess the more experiences you have and the more, I mean, whether they be in photography or music or science or whatever personal experiences like work experiences you just bring all of that into your uh, creative um experience your process well in terms of experiences i think like a lot of us get get caught up in the traumatic experiences um the sad experiences that can ultimately shape who you are and how you express yourself. You know, I can look at musical artists and every single one say, you know, their greatest leap in creativity came after a, a painful period in their life. It, is it also, though, the happy experiences, the joyful ones that you show through different forms of creativity in your photography as well? Uh, I would say mine have mostly come from probably sad experiences Mm. i mean there have been some happy but probably um a few tragedies too and life experiences i guess um but happy ones sure but i would say there would be more of the other why do you think that is um i think it's because uh i think we need we reach a point where we need to sort of elevate where we're at into like other states and in some ways, the more energy we put into that, we can be really surprised when, oh, what, what's that expression? Um, what doesn't kill us may make us not only stronger, but also more creative. And I think there's a certain amount of truth to that. I think that we, if we seek new experiences and ideas, we can make sense of um, our life experiences and move forward. I wonder too, and this is me just pulling ideas off the top of my head, if it's because we're more comfortable with happiness as an emotion rather than going through an experience that's sad or traumatic, and it may take us a little bit longer to figure out what that feeling is and, and why we came to that feeling in the first place. Yeah, perhaps, perhaps. Um, yeah, I just think it's... Um... I think our experiences can inspire us to create and and we just need to, you know, we learn about being mindful and combining that with just letting our mind wander. And before we know it, we're tapping into, you know, inner knowledge that we didn't know we had. And we're using that to move us beyond uh, where we're at. We're like, we, we become different people. If, if I'm standing in front of your bookcase, (laughs) <laughs> Look, looking at all <laughs> this is this is a, a an activity um 
Okay, what do you at, what what do you want me to pull off my shelf? Yeah, yeah. If I'm looking to get started, if with my photo collection, what what am I gonna pull? Oh my god! Oh, that that's like asking me for a favorite. Um, I love the work of Carl Blasfeld, obviously botanicals. Mm-hmm. Um, I just received in the mail today, actually, uh, Hans Strand's latest book. That's okay. A, that's absolutely gorgeous. Um, I have Brett Weston, Edward Weston, John Sexton, Harry Callahan's fantastic. Um, lots of Minor White, lots of Irving Penn. That's a little bit different for still life photography. Yeah, I mean, yeah, so I couldn't pick just one, but um, yeah, I could certainly. Oh, Paul Caponegro, yeah, fantastic. So yeah, I could go through all kinds, but um yeah, I can. That's I it. could. I could talk about many photographers forever. I just find it very interesting. Well, what do you love about their work? Let's let's pick out the one you just got in the mail today. Oh, okay. Let's let's go to hands. Let's see. Um, okay, I only had a chance to briefly look at it today, but right away I was drawn to. Um, he took pictures of uh, basalt columns. I think that's early on in the book. And they're just fantastic. And I have a geology background as well. So um, the way that he takes advantage and composes tightly in the frame patterns and forms, it's amazing. And he's not super, you know, about magical light. He'll, he, you know, a lot of these uh, photos are taken uh, in overcast days with a hint of light, it's kind of diffuse, but the forms and the patterns are highlighted in such a way. I mean, it's almost when you're looking at the book it, and you're flipping through each page, it almost feels magical. Like, yeah. But I mean, I, I can say that about several other books I've received recently, too. So, um, yeah. Um, I've Let's see, I've received Guy Tao's latest book, amazing pictures in there too, with the writing, beautiful essays. Um, William Neal's Light on the Landscape, beautiful work. So I guess I'm talking about all kinds of other photographers and not my own work. But anyway, I'm inspired um, greatly by other photographers and I take that inspira- I take inspiration from them as well. Taking, taking those books, what is your process maybe looking through them and not only appreciating what they've created and what they've produced within a book, um, but also taking that information that you're, that you're retaining about what you enjoy at their photography and and how do you maybe use it for inspiration for your own? That's just it. I think that um, not, not just from books too, but um, websites or even a magazine or, something I've seen somewhere, like I'll have it stored away in my mind. And I think when I'm out somewhere and I'm walking and I I see something, I'll go, oh yeah, somebody took a photo of something like that. And it, it looked like this, but, um, you know, I'm not going to take a photo that looks like that, but wouldn't it be interesting if you took that and did this with it and you just, it, it, you build on it and it becomes something else. Or, I mean, that that's when you know when you're inspired by someone else. Sometimes that happens where you can just sort of 
see something and you can relate it to another artist. Or I might look at, say, reflections on a pond and depending on the wind speed and the, the reflections of the trees, I might, it might remind me of a, a painting by Monet or I might think of something by Matisse or even a Georgia O'Keeffe painting. You know, there might be something that, you know, reminds me, but I think that, you know, you're not trying to imitate, but you're, you build on it in your mind. You've got this wealth of knowledge and ideas, but then you turn around and you make your own ideas. And I guess it's connect, connecting things together. And I try to come up with connections and that sometimes feel unusual. Um, maybe they're surprising or unexpected or something like that. So I try to make my work, you know, more unique and that feels unique to me as a person as opposed to imitating. But I think it certainly helps to have a, a, a background of knowledge in photography and painters and even science too. Give me an example of something that's unusual that you've put together in the field. Uh, sometimes... Um, Sometimes when I'm out, I sometimes will change the color of something depending on uh, a mood that I'm in or something. Like if I'm in a melancholy mood, you know, I might go for more blue tones in some of my images. And, you know, I'll play with the white balance a lot more and I'll, I'll really, you know, make something more blue or gray. But it's also meant to be more calming, I guess, more grounding, I think. That's why I'm drawn to changing sometimes, you know, the colors of something. But other times um, I'll make a still life uh, image in my studio and I'll just start arranging things. And it, it ends up, um, I come up with arranging something and I've never seen anything like it before. And it's always um, a surprise. And when that happens, when you know you've created something and you just stop and you go, that's it. Like, I don't have to do anything more. I've created something that feels like it's uniquely me. And, and it, you know, I mean, it does, it's intrinsically motivating. But, you know, when you do share it with someone and someone goes, yeah, that's really cool. That was, you know, that's, uh, I've never seen anything like that before. It was, it was surprising or felt novel. In terms of, like, the studio stuff, I, I find it really interesting, you know, I've had a lot of photographers on who do a lot of intimate landscapes. Um, I know David Kingham just released his mud gallery today. Uh, Jennifer Renwick, you know, Sarah Marino, Ron Coscarosa, Eric Bennett. We've had tons of people who do intimates on, uh, but I've never, well, I take that back. I had Alan Shapiro on who did some studio work, um, but I've never really asked people about doing that intimate kind of photography with nature in it too within a studio how, how does that creative process differ from being in the field I think it gives you permission to arrange things and you're just going with your your intuition and what feels right and I think eventually when you're working with I mean I like to work with seeds and different plants, sometimes from my garden, sometimes from the woods, sometimes it'll be, I don't know, a piece of bark or just something, but it'll become an arrangement of some kind. And you're given permission to arrange things. Whereas, you know, if someone were to say, 
you know, I did a still life in the woods on the floor and I arranged um, pine cones or something into a composition. It wouldn't be, it would be like I was cheating. I was being deceptive. But somehow, you know, when you go into the studio and you, you're arranging things and coming up with your own ideas there, it seems to be okay. But um, I don't know. I'll, yeah, I guess I, I prefer the studio just because it's, you, you also control everything. You control the light. You control how you arrange things, uh, the background, everything. And you can make something beautiful like you can really bring out the essence of what you're trying to photograph but also the feelings that you're putting into it sometimes when it works it it works well which was harder for you to learn because i I, for me if, if i'm thinking about my photography uh i would think i'm much more in tune to see what's going on in nature and not touching and arranging things whereas the arrangement part might become more of a a tedious process for me trying to figure out what I wanted to, to show through that. Um, I find it to be very mindful going into my studio. It's like I'm going into another world. Um, so I, I can, it's very easy. Well, I find it very easily, easy to get into creative flow anyway, when I'm either outside or in my studio, it just sort of, it all comes together. Um, and I guess it's just using your imagination and being curious about so many different things and wanting to learn about things. Um, so in the studio, yeah, I don't find it tedious at all. I just, it just comes together. I'll just start working with something and um, it becomes very, very relaxing and, and mindful. Like I'm totally in the present and, and um you're, you're just very open to uh, the possibilities of what you can create. And yeah, you're not, at, yeah, it's just, I don't know. I, it's hard for me to explain, but um, yeah, I just get really excited about it. <laughs> can you tell? I can, I can, honestly. What's the, what are the aesthetics of the room? Are we talking, you know, everything is just dark, lots of natural light. Is there music playing? Uh, I would have music, definitely. Okay, what are you what are you putting on? Ooh, mostly classical. Um, okay. I I grew up as a pianist as well, so a lot of classical. That's probably the genre I listen to the most. Um, but I I'm I'm a messy creative. I'm incredibly messy, and that's one room that I can just have it exactly how I want, and I can like close the door and. I have massive nature collections in there that I've, you know, collected from around, you know, the woods around my house, on my property. And, um, yeah, like cabinets and cabinets full of things. Um, Yeah, I guess, you know, I would call myself an amateur naturalist for sure. And, um, you know, sometimes I just have little experiments in one corner too where I'm trying to see how something works, like related to plants or um, something, something with a microscope or something like that. You put off the vibe that you're very just nonchalant about what you're creating and, you know, um, you go out and see something and, and you shoot it and that's it. Yeah. Uh, maybe there's 
more to it than that, I guess. But yeah, yeah, it's a, it's I'm driven to work with it's it's a passion. Um, I it's something I I need to do. I if I didn't have that, I mean, yeah, sure, I would have to adapt to some other way of being creative. But for right now, it just fills that that uh, place for being creative. Do you still play the piano? I, I do. Um, I'm having a bit of a hiatus at the moment, but um, yeah, it's Does, um, it's something I'll get back to within the next month or two. Is speaking of hiatuses, um, do you feel they're necessary for creativity and that having that balance to create versus, um, I think just observe what's going on. Oh, okay. You mean, um, you mean taking a break and just being in the zone, but not picking up a camera or needing to create anything? Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I, I probably didn't come across that I'm like that very much. So like when I'm going on long hikes or whatnot, I mean, I'm, I, I'm not someone who takes a lot of pictures. I... I shouldn't say take, make. I'm not someone who makes a lot of images when I'm out or in the studio even. I, where some might take hundreds, I don't know, I might take a dozen, like when I go out on a hike and I'm, I have to really, uh, I'd really have to want to pull out the camera and things have to come together. It has to, it has to work. I mean, I'm not going to just hope that one of the snaps are, is going to work if that makes any sense. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm not prolific. I'm not a prolific artist. I'm not somebody who posts images every day and five and six images. I'm, I just, yeah. And, and I don't share very much of what I create. I think I've mentioned before, maybe 1%. One, 1%. Yeah. I don't share very much for what I create. Um, No. Why is that? Um, I struggle a little bit with social media, for one thing. And um, I struggle with knowing how much to share, if that makes any sense. Like, I, um, I'm i a quiet person, and I'm not, I, I'm not someone who needs to shout. I, yeah, I, I just, uh, I like to share with people that, I know appreciate my work and, and, um, yeah. And, um, yeah, like I, that's, that's enough for me. I, I kind of feel the same. Um, although I do share quite a bit of, of what I do create, um, stuff that I'm, I'm happy with obviously. Um, but for, for me, it's much more of, a hesitation of being known as a person, um, rather than my photography being known. So I'm happy if people see the photos that I create and have a connection to them and have an emotional reaction to them, uh, or it connects with them throughout their life experiences. But when that comes down to people asking me about 
myself and why I personally created that, that's where my hesitation comes from because I struggle with uh, being known. I, I have a very small circle of friends um, outside of my my closest family members. Um, and I'm the same way. So I, I'm not, yeah, depths, like I only, it would be a handful of people that um, I would probably you know, share all my life experiences with, you know. Um, but yeah, I think um, when it comes to sharing photography, I think um, when someone writes me out of the blue and says, you know, such and such image, like that just inspired me so much to go out in the woods walking today. And thank you very much. And, you know, that just makes my whole day. Like, I'm like, wow, I've inspired somebody. That feels great. Do you think, though, that if you shared more than that 1%, you would inspire more people to do that? I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure. Because I think sometimes people can lower their expectations of you, you know. Um, yeah. You know, like... <laughs> less is more, <laughs> you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I, um, yeah, I think I always think less is more. So. And, and I kind of, I'm, I'm struggling with how to put this question because I've struggled with thinking through this myself, uh, with my own photography in, in constructing a photograph, the composition, where you want things to go, the light, uh, where you want attention to be drawn is, is there a way to kind of hide yourself within an image and do the exact same thing? And, and I think where this, this question is coming from is creating, creating a photograph that's meaningful to you, but doing so in a way that kind of plays with the idea that that it means something to you but that that something is hidden to somebody else if that makes sense at all you mean it's hidden but i i find sometimes people pick up on the things that i've hidden in photographs but i Mm. mean maybe i've not hidden them well enough (laughs) so um you know i mean maybe there are also i guess we could there are certain themes uh in subjects like like you can take a subject matter and turn it into a subject that that's that many people can relate to or a few people can relate to. Yeah. And, and and, well, I was going to say, and I think the people that actually stop and make the effort to look at, you know, the subtle qualities of a, of a, of a photograph, they're the ones that are going to understand it a lot more than the quick scrollers who are just looking for, you know, the wow, the wow shots and the ones that are easily digestible. And that's exactly what I was going to say. Like, I think it's possible for people like us, you know, our, our closest friends, if they see a theme in our photography, the ones who study our images, um, it's pretty easier for them to, you know, if they see blue tones or if they see, you know, a lot of black and white, are they going to be like, are you okay? Are, is everything going well for you right now? Is, do you get that at all? <laughs> oh yeah, sure. Um, <laughs> you know, 
posting uh, decaying plants, you know, people think you're depressed, but actually, um, oh, that could be the case. But, um, you know, like, I don't know. Um, I, I suppose sometimes, but uh, I, I, my photography is kind of all over the place. Sometimes it's joyful. Sometimes it looks sad. Sometimes it's um, energetic. So, yeah, I think um, I think that's probably common to many photographers. You know, you your your mood very much affects um, what you photograph and how you photograph it. And yeah, you you bring everything into your your photographs. So, I mean, it's a little bit easier if you're not having to make um, a living from every photograph you make. I think that's a lot easier. And uh, and that's never been um, an interest of mine to make it a career. So, well, with the dilemma of social media, why post it all? Um, I think um, I think when you have a, a narrow audience of people that appreciate your work, I think there is an element of enjoying the sharing, but there's also a little bit of engagement that's nice too like i love following certain photographers so i mean i don't, i never turn it into long chats or anything but um there are certain photographers that you know we we um have mutual interests in each other's work and on there, there's something inspiring about that as well in the in the same sense um of creating an image and creating some photography that's personal to you is, is, is there a dilemma there in wanting to do it full time? Um, or is it more so of the concern that it would take away from the creating process? Yeah. Like I'm, I'm, it could be the business side too. You're just not interested at all. Uh, well, I think, what I see today and it just doesn't um, it doesn't appeal to me in the same way as it does to other people. And, and, that, and that's not um, a judgment. It's just, I, I couldn't do all the self-promotion marketing branding and ma- and making all the social connections all the time. Like I, I think that you almost need to do that to be a professional photographer. I, I think, I mean, that's what I see. I, I could be totally wrong. But um, I enjoy my time, my my free, my own time and my own creative freedom too much to um, pigeonhole myself if I thought I had to. And I, I, I admire those that have made it work. I mean, that that's fantastic. Um, I'm in one sense, I'm glad I didn't have to do that. I can just do what I want. So um, I, I don't have any any pressure to, you know, reach a certain way of being well i think too in in doing it full-time versus not um people who do not do it full-time but want to often miss the realization that when you do go full-time you're still shooting part-time um and in when you're doing something else full-time you honestly have have much more creative flexibility to go out when you want, when you have time and take that time to, to go shoot. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I I admire those that, that somehow make it work that that's great. So, and who knows, Hey, I mean, I, who knows, 
anything could happen. I could change my mind tomorrow. So, and that would be okay. Have you ever played with, with larger landscapes? Are you just interested in the intimate smaller scenes? I think uh, the main reason why um, I haven't done any real wide landscape is it's, it's the uh, function of where I live. Um, I don't have um, the smaller scenes interest me more. Like I, and I'm always, I think uh, from a young age, I've been very focused on detail. So if, if I were to go through my photography and, and label it as uh, intimate landscapes, I mean, a lot of it is macro photography. I love detail. So it's what, um, I love knowing how things work. And when I make little discoveries at the small level, I find that more interesting. But, you know, if I lived somewhere like that had mountains and canyons and, and the ocean all combined, I mean, I probably, I might be so overwhelmed, I might not know what to do. I would have to try to distill like, you know, portions of it. And um, so I think part of it is just um, my landscape is a bit more subdued. And so you find ways to make it work and what interests um, you have to bring to it. Well, that even triggers the question for me, are, are we a product of our local areas in photography? Um, I think there might be a certain amount of that. That is true. Um, I think certainly our locations, but again, it's also drawing on everything else in your life too. And, and who you are as a person. What, what do you love about photography most? And I know that's a very vague question, um, but I've always been surprised w- with people's answers to that. Um, what do I like about it the most? Um, yeah. As a medium, it, it just fits very well with... Um, my creative side, it, 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 everything flows. It, it, it just, um, I'm creating photographs and, um, it just all comes together for me somehow. Like I'm able to connect ideas and come up with, I'm inspired. It inspire anything inspires me and I bring it into photography. It's just, um, I, you know, I could, sometimes I would do that at the piano too, but um, if I could paint, I know that I would do this, I would do it uh, with a paintbrush. Or if I could draw a little better, I would do it with charcoal and, you know, beautiful pencils. But um, yeah, photography just works. Can, have you tried those other mediums before? Oh yeah. I mean, I can draw, but I can't draw well. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I can play the piano well. I mean, I, 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 you know, music overlaps too. Um, Yeah. What do you think it is about appreciation for music that, that so many photographers have? Um, And I've asked this question for, for for several photographers who um, also play like guitar piano, uh, other instruments. And there just seems to be a a creative link between the two. And it's always surprised me because 
my own experience with music has never been creating anything for myself. It's been learning what, what other people's other people have written and produced, uh, and just learning to do that myself. Whereas, but, but you, you, you interpret that too, though. I mean, you take the music and you interpret it as your own. Huh? I've never thought about it that way before. <laughs> what do you, can you elaborate on that? Well, I mean, when you're playing an instrument, um, you get so wrapped up in the playing and, and the experience and the, and the passion of it. It just becomes your own interpretation. I mean, you're you're still playing the correct notes and you're, the tempo is correct and everything about it is correct, but your weight on the keys, like your articulations and dynamics, like you make it your own. Well, so do musicians, people who understand music very well, do they have an easier time entering flow state as a photographer? You know, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not sure. I mean, I know that I know that uh, it is not hard for me to do that. Like I I I think it's it's um a form of it's mindfulness too. You know, you're so wrapped up in what you're doing in that present moment. Um so I guess maybe playing an instrument, I mean, you're naturally in tuned that way. So maybe you do carry that into photography. That that would make sense to me, I guess. Are there things you're doing with music that put you into that state and you're also doing with photography that are that are along the same lines? Yeah. Yeah, like just that that flow state. I think it, it and it's different, but it's similar. What are those things? You mean the flow state? Yeah. It, it, you're just in that mind state of of being carried away by the experience itself, and, and you're feeling what you're feeling. It, it like each, it becomes an experience in itself. That was a learned trait for me, um, letting go of other things like that were on my to-do list that I needed to get done that day. Uh, and just kind of giving myself up to, to what was around me, uh, that I, obviously I still have, you know, problems fully committing to, to that at times. Um, but I don't know. I, I think it's really for, for a lot of people, it's, it's confusing for them. Like they have trouble putting themselves into that flow state. And I, I think what you're talking about is just everyday distractions and mm. stress and anxieties. And I think, I think we all have that, but uh, yeah, I guess there, there are a few things that, you know, going to the piano was one of those things that I could just become very mindful and into the experience um going for a long hike and not running into anyone and just taking everything in with all the senses that that's very easy to do like just to forget everything else and just focus right on the moment and then the other thing for me is going into my studio shutting the door and just um going through my nature collections and you know 
making arrangements and thinking about things and thinking about what I want to say and what do these things, what, what could these things be saying as well? So, yeah. Yeah. And, in, in, in my experience with that too, it's been much, much more of like committing to one specific lens. Cause I always struggle with like laziness when I'm out shooting. Like I don't want to put my bag down. I don't want to change lenses and do all that stuff. I just want to keep it extremely simple. And I found that forcing myself to do that, like maybe not even bring a camera bag and just bring my camera with one lens forced me to see just through that lens, forced me to see just through um, what that could create. And I started to notice new things in familiar locations too. Uh, and sometimes I don't bring my camera. Sometimes I'll just have my phone. And um, I have to say that there's been, there's rarely been a time where, you know, I've had my phone and, and I've said, oh, that would have been a great picture had I had my big camera. I never say that. I find that I'm happy enough just to have experienced, you know, whatever I've seen. It could be just, you know, a certain lighting condition and sand pattern, you know, at low tide, it could be the water level in a river has never been that high. And there's certain plants that are growing, you know, and, and you see something, but I've always just been grateful just to have seen something without, you know, kicking myself that I didn't bring the big camera, you know, uh, I'm, I'm okay with it. Where can people, I know we had, the conversation about not being known, but now that we've done that, where can people go to find more out about you? Uh, my website. Uh, and I'm on, um, I'm on all the social networks. I'm not on Twitter, um, much, but I do have an account, but I, I have Instagram, Facebook, and a website. Well, she's Krista Makush. Krista, thank you so much for coming on and, um, talking about your photography and, and your process of creating. Thank you very much for having me. So that's my discussion with Krista that you can hear right here, but you can also hear as we continue the discussion over on Patreon. If you go to patreon.com slash David Johnston, you can sign up for a tier that fits your budget between five, 10 and $20 a month. Now in this bonus audio from this week's episode, Krista and I talk further about emotional experiences and what those can do for your creativity. We also talk pretty extensively about her studio work that she does. We talk about how to get started in that, what kind of supplies you need, what you need to see from that. And you know, because Krista and I were, were so much alike in our thought processes, we kind of dove pretty deep. And I talked a lot more than I usually do during the discussions. And I thought that was really interesting too, just to interact with a photographer more rather than just ask those questions. So we talk about that plus much, much more in today's bonus audio. Again, that's patreon.com slash David Johnston to sign up for a tier that fits your budget to hear the bonus audio from this week's episode. I'll see you next week.